Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Oh, you know, I love this time of year. You're kind of teetering between Colorado winter and spring. It's constantly yinging and yanging back and forth. And um, with my own personal world, we're doing the same. We're trying to wrap up some spring clubs and, and enjoy some of those spring things in the snow. But then we're also registering for summer activities and summer clubs and uh, planting things and prepping, um, marking off dates. So it's just it's that exciting time of the year, both personally and then also professionally, where it seems like it's just ramping up everywhere. You know, you're heading into that busy season in education. And I've had the um, esteemed privilege to be coaching some new educators through all of these firsts. The We were talking about last time with first conferences, and this time we're working on first field trip planning and, and some of these really big um, summations of projects that they're trying to wrap up. So I've really enjoyed diving into that first-year educator mind again and being able to help them unlock success and be able to be reflective and, and smart, intentional planners moving towards the end of this year. It's just, it's busy everywhere. You can feel the energy, right, Courtney? Oh, totally. And it's trying to get those first-year teachers to understand how quick April, May Those, they're not two separate months. It is just one month because it flies so quickly. Absolutely. April, May, right? And I I actually had to sit down and we had to look at how many physical weeks, how many physical days and backwards plan some of those things because there's all that end of year fun that comes as well, right? It's an exciting time. What's going on with you, Courtney? How are your educators doing? They're doing great. We're moving into testing season, which is always challenging as a coach. Um, But this year I've kind of found a new way to make myself useful um, during our testing weeks. I'm going to be starting in our early elementary classrooms and going in to do some data collection around small group instruction of what's going well and what kind of scaffolds people are using. Um, and then after testing, I will go into our upper grades, our testing grades, and collect the same data. And then I'm going to anonymize the data and share it with the building leadership team. And that's kind of going to be a springboard for planning our PD for next year. So I'm still doing coaching things, but giving people a little space um, and time to get focused on working with their kids through that test. What a brilliant use of your coaching time to be able to just do that flip-flop, still be able to get the big picture and the smaller details in order to help progress your coaching forward. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I'm excited to see what the results look like. I can't wait to hear more. Today, we have Keith Young joining us. He's an educational coach trainer, and writer. Keith was raised in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains of northern Alabama. After a short stint at seminary, he pivoted to teaching secondary students for the U.S. government in Germany. In the first years of teaching, he developed a knack for leading and training colleagues. Eventually, Keith shifted full-time to training teachers and leading school improvement efforts at the school district level. Later, he became a principal leading school turnaround work and regularly increasing student outcomes by double digits in Colorado, Puerto Rico, and Arizona. Along the way, Keith picked up a multiplicity of advanced education degrees. Nowadays, Keith lives on the coast of South Carolina and trains and coaches administrators, school leadership teams, and teacher coaches. 
As a coach, he's known for telling it like it is and using a blended coaching model. The school Keith coaches across the United States and internationally produced significant increases in student outcomes. Welcome, Keith. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We have just been warming up with Keith, and we're so excited to hear more and dive deep. Keith, start by telling us a little bit about your background in education and coaching and how you got to where you are now. Well, I'm originally from rural North Alabama. I'm a first-generation college student. My mom was a bank teller. I went to Head Start in Gadsden, Alabama. And my dad my dad did a lot of things, but he was uh, mostly he sold used farm equipment. I uh, went to college, as I mentioned. I was an English and math middle school teacher. Then I worked in the district office. I sort of got a knack for working with teacher leaders in the building. I was a school improvement officer. When I was first asked to do it, I was a very young teacher. So I thought it meant like, you know, painting the building and that sort of thing, maintenance work. And I was like, I'm, you know, I came from the country. I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, then I found it was something very different, but I still liked it. I was fairly successful at managing my middle school uh, colleagues. I just treated them like my students. They thought I was kind of funny and I thought they were just hilarious. It's <laughs> so I did that well enough that I got an, a job at the district office doing the same thing. So I was going around helping other schools, uh, lead school improvement. Later, after I worked in the district office for a few years, I became a turnaround principal. Uh, I worked in Europe in uh, schools for the Department of Defense in Europe. I worked in Puerto Rico. Um, I also worked in Denver, Colorado, right down the road from you folks over there yeah. and uh, in, in Arizona. Along the way, I got all the education I could, master's degree, doctorate degree, uh, and now I'm settled over here on the coast of South Carolina so that I am close to my 18, almost 20 nieces and nephews. And nowadays, what I do, in addition to writing, is I, I work with a number of districts. Uh, I'm in about a 1,000 classrooms a year, uh, modeling coaching for coaches, training administrators on coaching, uh, doing some model lessons directly with students. And I do that in a variety of places, mostly California, Virginia, Illinois, Arizona, L.A. Those are some of the bigger places that I, I work in the past couple of years. That's a little bit about me. Well, you have an amazing background. I love how, you know, the path of people who coach just kind of finds you like you move through all these different positions. And it seemed like, you know, you're just kind of plucked out and put in the right spot to make it happen. I know. And the nice part is all of those experiences, whether they were working in the classroom or whether they were working with adults, I think they inform being able to write well and to train effectively uh, coaches. And one of the benefits I have to co-authors, Tamar and Angie, I think one of the benefits we bring to the conversation is our experiences are so varied. We've worked from rural Indian reservations in northern Arizona to uh, uh, fields, agriculture fields in a high school in Hawaii, to China, to Qatar, all over the place in a, in, a, in a variety of schools with a variety of students and a variety of teachers. Yeah, that understanding of uh, various backgrounds and cultures and all of that and how it plays into coaching is really important to understand. As coaches, we love to calibrate. So we want to know what your definition of coaching is. Our coaching definition is not super fancy. 
when we think about coaches, we think of the old school piano teacher. We think of our baseball coach. We think of our gymnastics coach. So our definition of a coach is, you know, a professional who prompts a teacher or trains a teacher or instructs a teacher. Sometimes uh, the coach is correcting. Sometimes the coach is leading in uh, self-reflection. Sometimes the coach is the teacher of the teacher. So we have a very, we use a very hybrid uh, research base to our model of coaching, but we always kind of come back to that definition of, you know, well, what did my piano teacher do? What did my choir director do? What they do to correct me? And a lot of those effective practices inform the practices that we use uh, when we talk about coaching. It's nice to be able to have that analyzation that everyone can go back to being able to have that analogy to your childhood of your piano teacher or your basketball coach. And it it kind of goes to that same sentiment of educators, we all need coaches. And sometimes that isn't always at the forefront of everyone in education's mind. So just thinking back of it, and no matter what facet we're in in our life, we still need a coach, no matter what we might be doing. Yeah, Serena Williams has a coach. She's better than anybody, including her coach, but she still has a, a, she has a, a whole staff of coaches. Exactly. And that power of that thought partner in order to help you be reflective is just unbelievable. And we want to drill in a little bit more. We appreciate you giving us a little sneak peek and have, be having a PDF ahead of time here, Keith. But we wanted to know a little bit more about the inspiration for your new book, The Instructional Coaching Handbook. And if you can give us a little teaser for our listeners for them to be able to hear your insights. So we were very careful to say uh, that the book is not another model of coaching. I've told you sort of our definition of coaching is a very hybrid model. We use, you know, Marzano. We use Aguilar. We use uh, Jim Knight. We use all of those folks who were great minds in coaching. Uh, what we saw missing was a one-stop shop where you could look at some of those trouble spots in coaching and sort of dive in to one section, get some ideas, and go experiment with them have them succeed, have them fail, come back and try some more. So really our, we do training on coaching all the time. And then some of our favorite questions come after the training, the coaches will pull us aside and say, okay, I love that. I love everything you said. Now, what do I do with this teacher who is absolutely not open to feedback at all? And here's the evidence for it. We said, you know, there wasn't like one source to go to, to get some quick strategies and some not so quick strategies for dealing with some of those things. So that was sort of the inspiration. And the, the format of the book is that big, huge uh, pre, pre-referral intervention manual, the PRIM manual. A lot of us use that in special education. It's a huge book, but it's a great book. And you just, you're, you're dealing with a problem with a student who throws his textbook away. Okay, so you go to that chapter that says, student who throws his textbook away. And then there's like 80 things to try. That was sort of like, we wanted something like that. And we're pretty happy that uh, our work with ASCD ASCD was able to produce that. Well, we love that you're referencing all of these past guests and pulling from their work as well. So we, we reference people to go back and be able to hear those episodes of where Keith is pulling from. But also, I just found it powerful in the way that it's like the parking lot from your trainings became your book, like all of those, mm-hmm. those unearthed questions that you just can't let go of that were like, give us a little bit of a how to you're able to bring to fruition in this way. That, that's exactly that's exactly how it worked. 
So Tamara, Tamara works a lot in early childhood. She had the same thing happen to her. Angie has worked very similar to me in a lot of high school. She was a high school turnaround principal. And so it was a matter of us. A lot of times when we didn't know what else to say, we were consulting each other. Like, what do you do with this situation? Here's the three ideas I have. Here's four ideas. And that was, you know, our first brain dump, you know, for the book. Yeah, all that practical knowledge and experience being shared with the world, the best way to learn. I know from reading that a lot of your book is based on research. Can you share with us some of the research around the effects of coaching? Well, some of the people who influenced us were some of the people that I already mentioned, Knight, Aguilar, Marzano. We love the deans of impact. We love the science of reading. So those are a lot of things that undergird, you know, sort of our philosophy. You know, we call it our conceptual framework, you know, sort of like when you're working on your dissertation or your doctorate. Um, Those are the uh, people who influenced us. The studies, a big influence, people came up in different ways. The skillful teacher, we looked to see who we cited the most. We cited the skillful teacher the most by John Sapir. I trained with him years ago, and Angie has trained with him. And he actually wrote the forward to our book. So he was a major influence. His book is now, the skillful teacher is now in the ninth edition. It has some staying power, 2020. That was a huge research base for us when we were looking at instruction. Uh, the other researchers out of Harvard, Stone and Heen, we don't see them referenced so much in education, but they were big, big influence when we talked about openness to feedback. They write a lot about openness to feedback. I love their stuff. I'm just dying for them to write another book <laughs> so I can see what else they say. Those are some of the uh, those are some of the major influences. Knowles, uh, Malcolm Knowles' classic, The Adult Learner, just came out in its ninth edition in 2020 as well. We use that. And then also how people learn is a text from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. Just a couple of years ago, they came out with their second edition. So those are some of the big, big researchers that influenced our work. And then there are lots and lots of studies. Uh, the craft study from 2018, which was a meta-analysis that talked about the impact of coaching on teacher instructional practices. And then there were a couple of other studies by Gregory in 2016, Garrett 2016, that talked more specifically. The meta-study from craft didn't find a huge influence, huge influence on uh, student outcomes. But the Garrett and uh, Gregory studies did, particularly in mathematics and in higher level thinking skills, that teachers who were coached were seeing uh, some uh, increased uh, student outcomes in terms of those parameters. So I think it's really exciting that we have some nice studies on coaching coming out because there's all kinds of models out there. Uh, But we're now getting some meta-analysis and some other studies that help us see the impact either on teacher outcomes or sometimes on student outcomes. Well, I feel like you have added to my reading list quite a bit. It might have to be my morning reading, not my late night reading, but I am excited to dive into some of the titles and researches, research studies that you have just spoken to, Keith. And this book is just a wealth of knowledge, and we want to see if we can tailor into a kind of a specific vignette. And we know that coaches do a lot of coaching around teacher efficacy. And we wanted to see if you can share some of your tangible tips as you're speaking to about efficacy. And also maybe if there's a small example with with a coach or with a teacher that was unlocking something for them, if you could share something in that realm. Sure. 
I'd be happy to. Uh, efficacy is all about teachers feeling, uh, knowing, or, or seeing their impact. And so for the three of us, we really do at our core believe that coaching is about, you know, empowering teachers, not just for the time that they're, you know, talking to us or in front of us, but for their entire career. And we're constantly saying that like every single week, you know, this is for the rest of your life. <laughs> this is for the whole generation of students that you're coaching. We want you to feel some sense of power, you know, some sense of, of movement in terms of student, you know, attitude, student affect, student academics. Uh, there's a couple of strategies that come to mind really quickly out of that chapter. There's a graphic um, early on. It's just a big circle is all it is with a dot in it. And the circle represents, you know, our work. Our work as, you know, a teacher, as an educator. And then the dot represents a problem. And so often what we find many, many of us come up, become obsessed with that dot, that teeny tiny dot that's in the circle. So sometimes just by showing that visual to teachers helps them kind of put it in perspective, the problem that they're talking about or the problem that they're obsessed with and gets them focused on the things that they can control. It sounds super simple, but we get a lot of positive feedback you know, from coaches and from teachers from just using that, you know, simple graphic. And then another one I was just talking to some teachers about in Illinois last week is right out of the book, and it's to teach teachers to curate. So we quiz teachers all the time, like, you know, we'll say, hey, you know, Courtney, what are the hardest things to teach in fourth grade reading? And, you know, the teachers all across, across the nation say the same thing. Inferencing, main idea, you know, schwa, the phonic sound schwa, you know, crazy, you know, we say, okay, then those things that drive you crazy, you need half a dozen ways to teach them. You need to curate. You need to quiz everybody you know who teaches. You need everything you read. You need to read it with that lens. What strategies would help me teach inferencing? You don't need a dozen ways to teach every single concept or skill. But you do for those hardest things with your age group or your content area. Uh, I saw a, a high school teacher do this beautiful job in uh, southern Arizona teaching uh, right, left and center of the political system. And it's so abstract. It's so really hard for students to get his whole he had turned his whole wall into these three sections. And he put, you know, artists, he put politicians, he put political parties, he just threw stuff up on that wall all year long. So by the end of the year, and texts from their readings, and by the end of the year, those students understood this concept. He had curated a strategy to get across this hard concept. So just teaching teachers to collect those strategies for those hardest to teach ideas, concepts, and skills is a powerful tool. Although it's actually kind of simple, but I would say that's one of those are two of my favorite strategies out of that section on coaching efficacy, but at least the first ones that come to mind. Yeah, that graphic is really powerful. And I think in those coachable moments, it's really quick and easy for teachers to understand um, and kind of take that moment to reframe their thinking. Thank you, Courtney. And one of the things we mentioned in the book is we kind of give the coaches a little tip. The research says you need to have you need to draw it in the moment that you're talking to them. You don't need to make a handout ahead of time. Just draw it right there in the moment. That's actually one of our coaching tips. And so we were glad to get that in there. 
Well, and it's just such a nice teaching tool, coaching teaching tool that can be in a very short conversation when someone is in that that state of overwhelm or, or stuck in a problem. So I love you sharing that very tangible tip here for everybody to take with them. I want to say one more thing there. There's a few visuals in there and there's some of our favorite things. We do a lot of talking and coaching, a lot, a lot, a lot of coaching. And some teachers really respond much better to visuals. Some teachers respond much better to role plays. It may not be their favorite thing to do, but it often will get the point across. So those are some tips we tried to highlight in the book, you know, have the, you know, you've got to, you know, sometimes you need to stop so much of the talking and do something else. The book really gives a lot of tangible tips to build that coach's toolbox where you have those things that you can quickly pull out when one thing isn't working and you know that during a a coaching conversation, you can kind of stop and be like, wait, let me try this and reframe it that way to kind of get things back on track. So I know the book breaks down many different areas of coaching. Um, What area are you most passionate about and why? I... The area I'm most passionate about. I I love the work on efficacy. Um, I I really love the chapter on openness to feedback, just because I get so many coaches asking, you know, how do I get this teacher to be open to the idea of coaching? Uh, and then I also I really like the strategies on dealing with challenging adult behaviors, because so many coaches get so especially if they're new. You get so nervous about, you know, adults who push back a little bit or who are challenging in their behavior. And I just did a whole series of training that last week in Illinois. And the coach was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but it's just like given. I sort of I like to overtrain the coaches. And in the book, we try to over give ideas like, you know, don't be so nervous, just experiment. And we try to be pretty transparent in the book, like the strategies don't always work. And we have some stories where it didn't work and that's, that's how it goes, you know, and that's why we structure the book. Like, here's some strategies to try (laughs) when it don't work, go and try some more. So I would say, uh, to answer your question, which one am I most passionate about? I, I like the one on challenging behaviors. I think because lots of people tiptoe around that or they're nervous about it, you know, and it's, there's some simple strategies like, uh, how to use positive intent. It's just not a strategy for, you know, working with primary students is a strategy you can use with adults, you know, how to stay calm yourself, you know, some of those simple things like teaching the teacher, okay, just breathe for a couple of minutes before you respond or think about, you know, uh, overnight before you hit send on that email. Those are some simple things, but some powerful things that help, help coaches, help teachers be a more effective team members. Well, we appreciate all of those tangible ideas, and we know everyone's going to want to be diving into your book to be putting all of those into their teacher toolbox. As you said, they don't always work, so we want to have that plethora in order to be able to pull from. We're going to kind of switch gears into our rapid-fire questions, and it's your time to shine. We want to hear all things Keith and tell us where we can learn more from and with you, where we can follow you, and what projects you have um, coming up soon. Well, I do have a website, akyconsulting.com. You'll find information on the book, where to get the book there. I'm also on Twitter at A underscore Keith Young. Uh, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn at A Keith Young. And I'm on Instagram at AKY Consulting. 
I don't post too much on Instagram, but I do have a few things on there. Oh, coming down the pipe at the end of the month, Tamara and Angie and I, all three of the authors of the book, we're going to be in your neck of the woods. We're going to be at the ASCD conference in Denver. So we're excited about that. And we're going to do a little presentation on uh, coaching, and then we're going to sign some books after that. Uh, and we're pretty excited uh, because we, uh, since we, we've, we've met in person, but not since we started writing the book. Because Tamar lives in Oakland, California, Angie's in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm in South Carolina. And so we've done all of our work on Zoom and, you know, virtual documents. So this will be, since we started the book, this will be the first time we will all three see each other person. So we're pretty excited. And what better uh, place than Denver in the spring? Absolutely. Downtown Denver. Really love it. And ASCD and bring the trifecta together. We all in person. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. we're excited. <laughs> oh, and we're just y'all got to come to Denver. Absolutely, just a stone's throw. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're Keith. We're just building an Instagram too. So we're all building an Instagram. We're getting better. C three is trying to branch out there too. So we're with you. And um, Keith, we are excited to see you at ASCD. And we want to know what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching. I would have two. Coaching is a conversation with a goal, a professional conversation with a goal. And the other one is be kind and be direct. You don't have to be mean to be direct. Those would be my bumper stickers for coaching. They're powerful. I love that. Clear is kind. It goes back to Kim Scott. Um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Using that radical candor. Yep. Tell us, what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? Uh, it's. I give it away. It's a little bit detailed in the resources section. In the resources section, uh, we talk about some actually how we use our model of coaching. And I would say my go-to strategy when I'm stuck is brainstorming. So I would say, hey, Violet, let's brainstorm that. <laughs> because, you know, I've got some ideas. I'm not sure if I heard you well. I'm, you know, I want to get your ideas on the table. I want to get my ideas on the table. Because I find so many times, I use that so many times because so many, so often a, a better idea, you'll come up with just some prompting from me, maybe a couple of ideas from me, a couple of ideas from you, you'll come up with a better idea or I'll come up with a better idea that'll help us with whatever the situation is that we're talking about in the coaching conversation. That's fantastic. It's a powerful go-to move and it can work in any situation, whether you're planning or reflecting or calibrating. And I think that's a nice one to be able to have there and be able to get all thoughts on the table in order to be able to divulge in one another's ideas deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Keith, I know everyone is going to be rushing to get ASCD tickets as well as get your book and they are going to be excited to dive in deeper. Um, we are just so lucky to share you today. So thank you for spending the time with us. Thank you, Violet. Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate it. Keith's Instructional Coaching Handbook is a must-read for any coach. Keith shared some practical information with us today. Remember, coaching is a professional conversation with a goal. Who can you have a conversation with today? Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3Coaches or on Instagram. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?